almost a month ago during Young Adult Sunday service, I mentioned an article that just came out in the Atlantic by an author named Jake Meter called, what is it called? The Misunderstood Reason Millions of Americans Stop Going to Church. And in this article, isn't that a thought-provoking title, right? And in this article, Jake mentions that workism, mind you, I didn't say wokeism, right? Workism with an R is the leading cause of why people stop going to church. Now, what is workism, one might, one might ask, and he defines it as that struggle that most of us have, especially here in New York, where we're hustling all the time in order to make ends meet. Many people work two to three jobs, and not only does one member of the household or one um, breadwinner of the household bring home the bacon or the tofu, so to speak, but both parties now need to work in order to make ends meet. And not to mention the fact that our kids are sometimes busier than the parents with soccer and hockey practices and other sporting events or theater involvement and whatnot. Who has time anymore to go to church? And that is indeed the argument that Jake makes. He calls it a math problem, especially in an age where there is a high focus on individualism and individual success. And Jake's theory is that this is what's leading to a sense of disconnect. Disconnect from friends and disconnect from wider society because we are spending most of our time engaging in activities that would simply make ends meet instead of, th instead of things that would actually nurture our spirits and our souls. And so today I wanna to talk about this whole concept of time because over the next two weeks, I'm actually gonna be talking about three T's, time, talent, and treasure. I'm gonna save treasure for next week in order to get you back to hear the rest of the sermon, right? So today I'm gonna to be focusing on time and talent. And time plus talent equals volunteerism. So as Benny mentioned earlier, today's sermon is simply gonna be about volunteerism. Let's talk about time, because out of the three of those, treasure, treasure, I believe, and talent are renewable resources. But time is not, right? So you can't get more time back unless you actually get one of those DeLoreans with a flux capacitor in it from a certain movie and a certain musical that's out there, right? So unless you could do that, we can't actually get back time. So time is precious and time is valuable. And in many ways, time is limited resource. Now, why do I say it's a limited resource? Because at the end of one's life, for example, one doesn't necessarily say to oneself, gosh, I wish I spent more time working on a Saturday, or I wish I spent more just one more hour 
to get my paperwork done. I believe nobody spends the last few minutes of their time on this planet thinking that, right? And if you do, you got problems. There's a Workaholism Anonymous class around the corner here. I'm just kidding. We actually don't offer that, but maybe we should. But rather, we think about what time have we wasted not doing the thing that would give us the most passion out of life and not the thing that would help the most number of people out there. And indeed, that is what helps gives us meaning is to figure out what to do with our one precious life. There's a famous, or I should say before I get there to the famous person, that many of us, I believe, thought about this when the pandemic first hit. Because before the vaccine came out, a lot of us thought I could be next. And if I only had less than two weeks left to live, what would I do with this time? And that kind of thinking made people think about their jobs. Because the, the truth is 80% of Americans hate their bosses, right? I hope my staff isn't saying that, by the way. And so there was a great resignation. Remember that? And after the great resignation, then people started thinking about, well, if not this job, then what job do I want? So following that was a great discernment around one's vocation and calling in life. And after that, that's when also people figured out, well, if I'm going to be spending my time working this job that I love, then what else do I need to let go of? And unfortunately, volunteerism fell victim to that great resignation and then the great vocational discernment moment. And fourth you is not alone in this dilemma and in this challenge. All other colleagues I've talked to and most other religious faith traditions out there are hungry for volunteers at the moment. Now, you may raise the question, what am I volunteering myself to do? Now, the simplest answer, of, of course, since I'm preaching here in front of you, is to go to church, right? To get your needs met. But why would I want to do that? And again, the answer for me comes when I heard the young adults talk about why they came to church. And that is to show up for one another. And I was actually quite surprised by that answer, right? Because I thought, for some reason, isn't it to hear the great music that we have at church or to hear me wax eloquent Sunday after Sunday about some important issue that's going on in the world right now? But no, it's just to be present with one another. And it made me think about this book that I read a few years ago in seminary called Let Your Life Speak. And it was written by this guy, Quaker activist and educator named Parker Palmer. And in that book, he talks a lot about discernment and vocation and all of that. But he also talks about a time in his 40s when he fell into a deep depression. And nothing seemed to have helped, not medication, not friends who come by and give 
words of platitudes like, oh, you could do it. You could get yourself out of it. You know, there's nowhere else to go but up. You know, not those kinds of words. None of that helped. According to Parker Palmer, the only thing that helped was another friend who just came by day after day, week after week, and was just present with him and listened to him and asked him how his day is going and what's going on in his life. He said that friend's presence is what made him feel connected again. Because after all, Parker Palmer says that depression is the ultimate state of disconnection. It deprives one of relatedness that is the lifeline of every living being. Should I say that again? Depression is the ultimate state of disconnect. It deprives one of the relatedness that is the life force within every living being. Which again goes back to what Reader was saying about how what Jake was saying in the previous article I was mentioning that a sense of disconnection is what leads us to depression. And again, Parker isn't necessarily saying that it's not useful to take drugs if it's necessary, but rather that for him, that is what brought him back to life, his friend's ministry of presence, right? And that's what I began to think about as well. What if we came to church because we were looking for a friend who would be there with us? And I appreciate that for the remainder of the service, all the songs are going to be about friendship. Right, Rob? All right. Um, and what I appreciate is that friendship is the ultimate way that we could show up for one another. And isn't that what George O'Dell said, that in the midst of our grief, even in the midst of our triumphs and our losses, we need one another. All our lives, we are in need and others are in need of us. What if that was the starting point of why we came? Again, not because of me or whoever the guest preacher is on a particular Sunday, but trust me though, here's the thing, right, that I want to share with you. I probably need you to show up more than you need me to be here in front of you, because for me, preaching is live theater. That's the reason why I wasn't a parish minister during the pandemic, because preaching in front of a camera sucked. When, and no offense, by the way, to all our Zoom listeners out there. We appreciate you, California. We appreciate you, Mexico. But it doesn't beat all of you looking at me, laughing at my corny jokes, or saying amen even from time to time, right? That's the energy I feed off of. And that's why I need you to show up Sunday after Sunday for my personal selfish reasons. But I believe that that's also why you show up to community hour. It's not just because of the great coffee that we serve, but it's because of the opportunity to ask one another. So how was your week? And what is the state of your spirit? How are you doing? How are you doing really? 
because I know that life is hard right now. How could I be a support to you? How could I offer my friendship to you here in our sacred space? That is, I believe, the reason why people show up. And speaking of hospitality, the number two reason I think why people show up is because they need a job, right? And again, this is where I would say to you, well, hospitality needs help because that doesn't just happen out of a vacuum and it's not magic. Someone needs to distribute that food out there. Someone needs to put it together. Someone needs to serve it. So that's where you come in. That's where you could find a job here in the congregation. And now you may be telling me at this point, well, Jennifer, hospitality is just not my thing. That's why I haven't rushed to Soyal and signed up for to do a hospitality Sunday yet, right? Well, I say back to you, I've got great news because you know what? We got 22 other teams and committees that you could actually join in this congregation. That's according to the org chart anyway. And you may be doing the math and thinking to yourself, wow, Jennifer, we only have 133 members of this congregation. And I'm proud to let you know, I did the math. That means that if you divide 133 by 22 or 23 committees and teams that we have out there, what number do you end up with? 5.5. And this goes to the um, general rule in that if you don't have at least five people in your team or committee or affinity group, then it probably won't take off. It's probably not sustainable and it probably shouldn't exist, which is again the reason why the board, you'll be happy to know this coming Saturday, is doing a retreat to try to look at the org chart again and figure out are we biting off more than we could chew? Is our capacity at a level still where we're expecting to operate on pre-pandemic levels and with the level of volunteers that we have. And again, that number of 5.5 assumes that every single member is gonna join just at least one team or committee, which we know to not be true, right? And the other question you may be asking is, well, how do I even know which team or committee or group I wanna join? Well, the good news is, See, I'm full of good news today, aren't I? Aren't you glad? Um, the good news is there's a survey for that. So the North UU Church in Ohio actually came out with an online survey. If you want the link to that, again, see Soyal. And all new members now, by the way, starting with the membership class taking place after the service today, are going to take that survey to find out what their spiritual gifts are. Not to mention the fact that all of you should have talked about that during the greeting time, right? You should have asked each other, so what's your spiritual gift that you bring to the table? So that's one way of finding out. And by the way, it may not necessarily be what you're doing for a living right now. Newsflash, right? So if you're a financial advisor, your spiritual gift may not be to serve as treasurer on the board. It may be to sing in a choir. So who knows? You never know until you take the survey, right? Um, or you may know already and just are looking for an excuse to try to um, find the right match, for example. All right, I got I to gotta bring this to a close. So the last thing I'm going to end this with is to try to figure out how to use this, these gifts 
and share it with others. Because there's no point in hoarding your spiritual gifts. And this, for me, is the crux of what makes church different from any other organization out there. And I think that this way of viewing things is so countercultural. Because I feel like here in New York, for example, we just expect things to get done by these invisible people out there magically, like cleaning the subways, pruning the trees at Central Park. All of those things are supposed to be done by others out there. What do you mean I'm the one that's supposed to um, move up to the plate and fill all these responsibilities and serve others? And again, this is the difference between a serve us mentality, S-E-R-V-E-U-S, right? Serve us mentality versus a true service. And it's the difference between being a consumer and just passively absorbing everything that's been handed to you and being an active congregant, going out there because you are the hands and feet of for you in order to fulfill our mission. So next week, I'm gonna be talking a little bit more about what it means to shift from consumer to congregant, and all it takes is covenant. That's the other C word, right? And covenant is defined as the promises that we make to each other, and again, I'll define it more next week. But needless to say, I'm gonna end you with this thought, that when we come together, when we make a friend in this congregation and share this ministry of presence, that when we find the job that we're looking for, that's when we become truly alive and that sense of connectedness is the antidote to the society's problems of depression, isolation, and disconnection from one another. And to paraphrase JFK, ask not what forth you can do for you, ask what you can do for forth you. Can I get an amen? Amen. amen. Hi everyone, welcome to Getting the Message. I'm Benny and I am the Religious Education Assistant and I am here with... The Reverend Dr. Jonifer Kwong. I am the Interim Senior Minister and I use he or they pronouns. And thank you so much, Jennifer, for, you know, taking the time to to speak with me and explain a little bit more about the upcoming sermon. Um, and I wanted to ask you, you know, like, what was the main inspiration for this sermon? You know, what was something that, you know, told you this is something I should talk about? One of the interim goals is to figure out this whole question around volunteerism, mm -hmm. because it doesn't just affect fourth you, but also all religious traditions and other UU congregations are struggling with this whole idea that after the pandemic, there's been fewer people volunteering to do things. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. that also means that our programs are affected in terms yeah. of capacity, right? Mm -hmm. And so I wanted to, ask us what it would mean to um, approach this from a perspective of generosity. Mm -hmm. So how could we um, give of our time and talent to help support the work that Fourth Universalist does in order to, you know, basically increase the sum of love and justice in the world. I also wanted to ask, um, to go off of my first question, 
Do you think it's only COVID that has been contributing to, you know, our lack, our lack, I would say, or lesser and lesser numbers of people, you know, volunteering, getting out? Do you think there might be other factors that contribute to it? That's a very good question. And we've certainly seen this decline before the pandemic even mm -hmm. um, hit us. And it's only been exacerbated since because people live such busy lives. And so <laughs> yeah. um, part of my sermon talked about what would it mean to live in a society and a culture where there's this pressure of the hustle mm -hmm. every single day, right? Mm -hmm. Most of us work two or three jobs in order to make ends meet. And unlike in the times before, as in right after World War II, where you could afford to have just one person be the breadwinner, so to speak, mm -hmm. usually the husband in a heteronormative um, yeah. <laughs> relationship, right? And the wife usually stays at home, takes care of the kids, mm -hmm. and has plenty of opportunities to get involved with a quote-unquote charity. Yeah. And, the um, yeah, and volunteer their time that way, right? That's true. Um, but these days, both both members, both parents have to work. Mm -hmm. And um, and again, with the housing crisis and with the um, economic injustices that we witness, it's much harder to um, have just one breadwinner. And so thus that cuts back on volunteer opportunities. And I think, you know, the other factor is that more and more people are part of what we call the spiritual but not religious or the nuns yes, right yes, as in about 25 yes. percent identify mm -hmm. that way now and it's also generational mm -hmm. in that younger people are less um trained if you will or enculturated mm -hmm. on how to quote unquote do church and um i like that <laughs> and, and volunteer their time and mm -hmm. and talents and um and treasures Right. So that's what we're going to be talking about next week. So I don't want to give that preview yet. Oh, there's so, a part one and two. Yes, ah, yes. there is. Yeah. Yes. So yeah. Stick, it's part of the three T's, it. right? So time, talent and treasure. Perfect. And we covered the two this morning. Oh, perfect. Perfect. And I my last question is just a little bit of a, you know, just to reference the sermon. But how do you think we could go about changing this or improving mm -hmm. this realistically yeah that too is a good question and i covered it during my sermon a little bit by talking about expectations mm -hmm. and capacity and making sure that we're not biting off more than we could chew mm -hmm. so it's a question of what are our priorities so if we do have people saying to us that there's only so many hours in a week, right? Mm -hmm. And how do we juggle our kids' needs, our own needs, and not to mention self-care needs during the week? Yeah. Um, where does fourth you fit into all of that? And so I think at this point, I'm encouraging the staff to go with the mantra of less is more. Mm -hmm. And how mm -hmm. could we focus our energies into programs that would A, be in complete alignment with our mission, mm -hmm. and B, how could we listen to what our volunteers are saying? So if we have a team or a committee that is well-staffed, so to speak, then that's what we'll focus our energy on. Mm -hmm. But if there are ones that 
nobody attends the meetings and nobody volunteers to take the lead on it, then maybe the message that we're getting is that that's not important enough mm -hmm. and maybe it's time to sunset that program. Yeah. So it's an ongoing conversation and I'm looking forward to the board retreat next Saturday oh, where we're going to be taking a look at the org chart oh, and yes. um, figuring that stuff out. Perfect. I can't wait to hear, you know, what you guys come up with, what you talk about. Um, and thank you again so much, Jennifer, for taking the time to get a little bit more into depth about your, you know, sermon. Um, my last question is, are there any last comments, questions that you want to leave the audience? So you know what? With? I'm going to turn this around and ask <laughs> you a question, Benny, oh in terms of what volunteer experiences have you had that gave you joy and brought meaning to your life? Oh, that's a very good question. That is a very good question. And I would say there was a stint talking about finding the time to mm -hmm. do volunteering there was a stint where i was unemployed for i'd say three months um and i was actively looking for work and you know one thing that i did that i really that actually ended up helping me a lot at the time was volunteering at a um, a soup kitchen mm -hmm. but it wasn't just a soup kitchen it was an organization um in harlem and also i think they had a satellite area in um site in the bronx also um they did you know people who were homeless or didn't have stable housing could you know send their mail there mm -hmm. there were like showers available there were a lot mm -hmm. of different programs trying to help people get jobs mental health you know treatment but the biggest thing was there was um every saturday and sunday morning and also two times during the week mm -hmm. very early in the morning like seven thirty you know, we would get together and start packing boxes of, you know, more shelf stable goods. And then there were also there was also a team that mm -hmm. focused on like leafy greens and fresh vegetables. Mm -hmm. um, and then we also transitioned like later on in the late morning um, to giving fresh food, like mm -hmm. pre-made fresh food um, to folks who whoever came, you know, in. Mm -hmm. um, and I did that for about two months you know, maybe twice a month. And um, I really, really appreciated it because it reminded me that I have a role to play to make the world a better place. Mm -hmm. I can't just look at all the things happening around me and be sad, which is justifiable. Mm -hmm. um, but also since I am able to do something right now, I am unemployed and I have a lot more free time, um, I could try my best to, to do something. Mm -hmm. It also opened my eyes to how little one person can change mm -hmm. things also. So hmm. both, I guess, sides of that thought, like, yeah, I can do a lot more than I have before, but, you know, I have the time to do it now. But also right. there's only oh so much me as a person can do, especially in the face of like a housing situation in New mm -hmm. York and an yeah. economic situation and mental yeah. health issues that can't really be... I guess, you know, dealt with with the current medical system that we have, not only in the city, but the country. So I would definitely say that was probably one of the more hard-hitting volunteer mm. um, experiences I had. Yeah. I mean, I volunteer here at 4th U as in the religious education um, uh, team before I became the religious education assistant. Mm -hmm. And that was lovely because I work with kids mm -hmm. and, you know, I, I really like working with kids. They're really refreshing and they remind me that 
the world has joy and hope and I really appreciate them. I really appreciate them and I love being able to have, you know, the mindset and the attitudes of children in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I was a teenager in high school, I read books and tried to help really young children with literacy, mm-hmm. but I was a teenager, so I didn't really understand <laughs> the scope of what I was doing, you know. Right. It was more of a thing that I just did you know, because the school told me to. I went to Catholic school. Uh-huh. Um, but, yeah, I would say those experiences, but particularly the one at the, I guess it would be considered a soup kitchen for a lot of people. Um, everyone there was wonderful. They were they were quite lovely. Yeah, I would say that. I would well, say that. Well, thank you for sharing that. <laughs> and what caught my attention is when you talked about how, you didn't use the word overwhelming, but mm-hmm. it's a question of what what is one's action as mm-hmm. small as it may seem um how could that create a ripple effect mm-hmm. and and it's both and right yes. of you know what you did with the soup kitchen provided immediate relief but there's also the systemic issues like you were mm-hmm. talking about that is part of a much wider system of injustice that we also need to address it's and it's so over like honestly that's a good word to use overwhelming thinking Mm -hmm. about it um but you know i definitely think there is a positive in doing things because Mm -hmm. it at least for me it makes me feel like if everyone does a little bit then yep, that exactly. does that can it adds up, that it adds up right? you know yeah, yeah, yeah. and i think our current system banks on the idea unfortunately of people being too bogged down by responsibilities and mm-hmm. you know the system that we have that makes it almost impossible for a lot of people to have free time mm-hmm. um so right. when i have the ability to do it i tell myself you know i need to capitalize on this not in a way of you know like a savior complex mm-hmm. but more like a right. i have the ability and I know the stakes, so mm-hmm. I should try my best in the way that I can to be a part of the solution. Definitely. And it sounds like there's a component in there of collective liberation mm-hmm. as well, right? Yeah, that sure. you're not just doing this paternalistically, mm-hmm. but in the sense that by working to make the world a better place, you're also helping yourself. So it's a oh, yeah. Mutually beneficial kind of mm-hmm. situation in terms of that's true. you're getting fulfillment out of it and people are getting something out of it. So we're all in this together. We really are. We are yeah. truly all in this together. And I, I mean, I guess the last thing that I will mention for that question is mm-hmm. at a certain point, I asked myself, is it is volunteering good if I'm doing this for my own sake for the most part? Like mm-hmm. If I came into this necessarily being like well i volunteered so my conscience is clear you know i did what i needed to do or i'm such a good person you know i'm such a good person wow this is crazy i am waking up super early in the morning Mm -hmm. to do this for people like i definitely am like a really good person would that be good would that change anything when it comes to volunteering or is it more like the intention doesn't matter, but the actual like outcome is okay. Like it, it's right. that's the most important thing. Right, right. That's a good question. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I have a a pat answer for that. Other than, again, whatever our motivation is at the end of the day, it's about assessing the impact. Mm-hmm. And like you were saying, um, 
you know, if that's what it takes to help motivate you to get going, then it may start off as a selfish thing, but ultimately at the end of the day, the result is that people are being served. It's better than doing nothing, mm -hmm. right? So if you just slept in instead of waking up that early, then, you know, and, and once in a while, I think we do need to either pat ourselves in the back or have organizations pat our back for us. We, I do right? like that. That's why volunteer <laughs> like recognition that. is so it's, important. That is so true. So, because, you know, it does help drive us to keep us going. So, again, I think it's both and that we we don't necessarily, you know, we shouldn't um, um, knock ourselves down for, you know, patting ourselves in the back. But um, at, at the end of the day, it is about the kind of impact that we're making. Oh my, that was a really good question. Thank you so much, Donna, for, for asking me that oh, question. Oh yeah, I, sure. That made me, you know, reach back into memories that I completely forgot about, honestly, but are perfect for this sermon. Um, but thank you again so much for taking the time to get more into depth. Um, I am excited to see next week or, you know, when part two happens. Um, and yes, thank you again so much. Uh, thank you all for watching Getting the Message. And we'll see you the next time we have the conversation. Thank you again so much and have a good week, everyone. Mm -hmm.